Why, hello there, my good friends and uh, our avid listeners. Welcome to a new episode of Own Goal Podcast. The date of recording is July 25th, 2023, and you may be thinking to yourself, man, it feels like it's been a long time since their last episode. Well, avid listener and, and dear fan, you would be correct. We kind of came back from a long layoff, said that we were back in the saddle, getting ready to go, and then we kind of had another long layoff. Uh, I'll but take you some know blame what? for that. I'll take some blame for that. Eh, not nonsense, nonsense. Um, that being said, it is peak silly season, and to best represent the plan for a silly season show, we have no fucking rundown. We are just going by the seat of our pants, off the cuff. A lot of things that we'll talk about, or just a few things that we'll talk about a lot of. Either way, we've got a great show, but first... To the byline. It's in, it's in our goal! It's a gift! Well, he's almost done well to get that in, because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out, it almost hits his heel. It goes straight into the bottom of the corner, bottom corner of the net. So, listen, at the time we recorded the last episode, I genuinely think we both meant that we were really excited to get back into the swing of things, but here's the thing. At that point... This game sucks. Yeah. Manchester City's trouble was very uh, apparent to me, and I just couldn't do it. And so, then Milan, Milan, Milan lost to Inter for the third time out of four attempts in a year, and they just, you know what, we needed a hard reset. We needed to fall back in love with the game, and there's honestly no better way to do that than to just eject from it. Yeah. All together for me. You, on the other hand, I think had a had a, a very different way of reinvigorating your passion for the game. Yeah. Uh, a little did. little boots on the ground. I did go to Old Trafford to see Man U play Fulham, uh, the last game of the season for both teams. So I got to see De Gea's last game at Old Trafford. You know, got to see the Man U guys. hadn't I haven't been to Old Trafford since 2011, so it had been 12 years. Got to go with my wife, my mom, my three brothers. It was really awesome. Uh, got to see my our boy Jedi Robinson play. Got to see Mitrovic. In, in Mitrovic in his last uh, Premier League game. That's what it looks like. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I was uh, really happy to do that. And then um, watch City win the trouble in the weeks after. And I say win the trouble, and what I really mean is buy the trouble. But this does not change Pep Guardiola's legacy for me at all. I mean, here's the thing. Pep's legacy will always go down as a guy who achieved a lot and won a lot. The The biggest smudge on his record was winning the Champions League outside of Barcelona. Uh and that was like the, he would not, he would he would be a failure. He would not be a success at City if he did not win the Champions League. He won the Champions League, got the treble to boot. Really, that's Arsenal's fault. 
so I think we can we can shed some equal blame on Arsenal uh, as we can on on United because you guys you know had had a chance to. Um, so it's not all. I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm trying to help you, Donnie. And I, I'm just like, I'm, 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 actually, I'm getting like, angry. I'm getting angry. But, I'm getting angry. But I, like, I do think like now Pep's big smudge is what has he ever done? When has he not had the best team? Here's, here's the way I can phrase the smudge the best. The only trophy he has ever won as a manager that the team had that, that that the team he's managed had not won without him in the previous four seasons, like in that time range before his arrival, is this Champions League. Mm-hmm. Every other team he's managed has won every other trophy he's won in the three or four years before he was even there. That and I think that, that encapsulates your point with, really well. Within the three to four year span, that that is really interesting. And you know, I, I think like you can People can you know you can make claims that like oh other top managers manage top sides that's what happens yes but not only you know, I'll throw some love at at Jurgen Klopp uh, a guy who I've increasingly liked less and less and less some of those players that he <laughs> killed the queen yeah some of those some of those players that uh, that Liverpool signed were not already at the peak of their game when Klopp was like, hey, we need these we need these guys from for my, my team. When has Pep bought somebody who's not a top like considered a, a top tier player at that position? Uh definitely for City, but even before that for Bayern, for Barcelona, doesn't really I don't know. Yep. He just he buys the best thing that money has to offer and then has the best team. Congratulations. You're good at managing egos, I guess. Yeah. I mean... Okay. We, we, I, I think... we. Sorry. No. I think you said it well. Um, so, this changes nothing for me. Um, only one team in a country gets to be the first team to win a trouble. And uh, only one team did it with half the team being Academy products. That's all I'm going to yeah. say about that. Okay. Can, should so, we talk about the Saudi problem? So I was say we're peaking to silly season, and has there been anything sillier than the money being thrown out? I mean, the Saudi problem for me has has two fronts too because your boy lost one of his favorite players at Milan to the Saudi Piff Newcastle mm. regime, and that doesn't even break the surface of what's going on with like Al Halal and some of the other Saudi teams that are, did I butcher that? Oh, I just, you know how in the group text, I've been calling every Saudi team Alpha Waffle. So when you said a real team, I just thought of Alpha Waffle. It's the only name I know. It's the only one I know. Fair. Is that the one that Ronaldo's at or is that a different one? He's at Al Nasir. The only reason I know that is I have a list of players, so we can kind of talk spearhead this, who have moved over there, and I just, that's the only reason I know. Well, just to comment on the whole Ronaldo experiment over there, I know know the name of one team over there, and apparently it's not even his team, and I didn't even know if it was or wasn't his team. (laughs) So after Cristiano Ronaldo made the move to Saudi, here are players who have officially made the move to Saudi. Alex Telles, Seko Fafana, Robert Firmino, Marcelo Brozovic, Jota, Roberto Firmino, 
Eduardo Mendy, Kareem reigning Ballon d'Or winner Kareem Benzema, Ngole Conte, Ruben Neves, uh, Kaladu Koulibaly, with Jor- with Steven Gerrard managing over there, Jordan Henderson and Fabinho rumored to be on the way, Mitrovic rumored to be on the way. And a lot of these guys, you know, there are some guys who are obviously a little past their prime, but like, there's a, like, a, like Edward, Edward Bendy could still be a top five goalie for a top five league team. Savage could contribute to a top five league team. Like Ruben Neves, I'm pretty sure is like in the prime of his career technically. Yeah. So I mean, could still contribute. Like Mitrovic just scored 14 Premier League goals. Like he can still like, so it's Mar- Mar- Marcelo Brozovic is, has been a stalwart for Inter Milan for the last, you know, four years. Um, he, I think he's a little bit on the, the downturn. Um, but like these guys aren't all washed, right? To your point. Right. And it looks like, um, St. Maxime from Newcastle is going to join, who is also in the prime of his career. Yeah. But that's also just, Oh, that's bullshit. Interesting. Newcastle needs to raise funds, uh, so they can spend within, you know, financial fair play regulations and a Saudi club is coming way over dollar in for, for him. No, it would have been coming for him to get loaned back to them in a year. It would have been so much funnier if one of the Saudi clubs paid $50 million for like a 19 year old that nobody's ever heard of that plays for the Newcastle under 23 team. That would have been like just peak comedy because it'd still be the same thing they're doing now, but at least they'd be way more like they'd, they'd be, be more they'd be in on they'd be in on the joke of it. At yes, least. yes. At least yeah. they would be somewhat self aware of like the absurdity of what's happening. So, I guess we haven't really talked about this um, on the podcast because I've been podcasting forever. But I think we should talk about kind of the the Saudi problem, and I, I think it's, there's a lot of facets to this issue, and. I think the listeners would love to hear your thoughts. Okay, so you just want me to go wherever you want with it. Okay, there's, as you said, several facets to this to this issue, and it's really more than one issue, right? It's many issues. Um, there is the issue of sports washing, which I feel like are generalized takes on that concept have been decently recorded in the lead up to the Qatari world cup. Correct. So I will say a lot of my views about the issues of sports washing through the globalized popularity of soccer, uh, that we expound upon in lead up to the Qatari world cup are the, are, are similar to how I feel about the sports washing effect in the Saudi Arabian League and in the Newcastle League. We also talked about it a lot when when, when Piff bought Newcastle, uh, and that's probably a little more aligned because it's it's the same you know regime. Yeah. It's the same same regime that's that's being buffeted and and uplifted at least by their image. So my thoughts haven't really changed uh, from there, right? Like I know there's a whole bunch of gray areas and contradicting concepts, right? Like it's hard to be somebody who actually gets paid by any entity in America and not in some way, shape or form benefit from the, the financial relationship that Saudi Arabia and the United States have. Like I get that, but I also like, I live here, right? Like, like, like there's not, there's, there's not much conscious 
choices you know that I can make outside of moving to honestly there's nowhere their money doesn't stretch in reach either so like yeah. it's a global economy they've got all the money that's what it is yeah I have been outspoken about issues with their regime um, you know the murder of Jamal Khashoggi uh, abducted from an embassy that's about as big no-no as the no-nos get um, and like you know, LGBTQ plus issues, yeah. suppressing women. Yeah, we're all on the same page on all this. Though. So, so like all that sucks, and I hate it, and it's so obvious to see like the the machine working, right? They're not they're not trying to hide the gears. We can see the gears turning, uh, but because the machine is spitting out dollar values so high, there's not much that a random you know once every three month podcaster like me can do about it. Uh, so that, that is gross. It feels icky. I don't like it, but you know, there's something we've talked offline about golf a little bit. Uh, you and I, there's something that, um, that, that Rory McIlroy was asked a while back and about like the, in, the influx of the Saudi money, you know, whether it be into live or into, the PGA or whatever. And he's like, the money is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. So like, if they're going to be spending it, I'd rather they be spending it as like a partner of the PGA rather than trying to like blow up everything um, that is already, already existing. And so I think that's a very interesting take from somebody who might be poised to start raking in a lot of that money. Uh, For me, it's like, okay, I can kind of see that in the sense of like, if the Saudi money has to be in the game, I'd rather it be through a smattering of clubs in the European sphere so that we're not at least losing Mitrovic. We're not losing Kroon Benzema. We're not losing guys that, spoiler, I'm not going to watch the Saudi league. I don't know what what the broadcasting uh, setup is like. I don't know what time uh, over here they're going to be playing their games. I don't care. I'm not going to watch it. and so all that means is the product that I am going to watch is a little bit diluted. Um, and that sucks from the pure enjoyment level, right? Like I would say that like going back to, to the golf, golf did not benefit the viewer as like a, as a consumer product when some of the best players left the tour and played on the CW at Trump hotels. Didn't watch those. I watched the other golf. And what I watched wasn't better than what I was watching three years ago. It was worse. Yeah. And so what we're going to watch is going to be worse. And that's not even tackling the fact that like sovereign wealth is such a huge problem, right? Like, like Newcastle is out. Newcastle convinced Milan to convince Tonali to leave. Tonali did not want to negotiate with Newcastle until Milan set, set him down and said, we need this money. And then for the club, he was like, fine, I'll go make twice as much uh, a year living yeah. in Newcastle. Um, so, like, I don't think I really described it eloquently. It's a bit a bit word vomit, but those are kind of my not succinct thoughts on the, the Saudi problem. I, I think I agree with everything you said. I agree with you that, you know, about the issues of sports washing. I agree with you that there is a huge issue of human rights violations and really horrible things done by this Saudi regime and 
I say the when I say the Saudis, I'm always talking about the government. I'm not talking yeah, about. we are not. We're not calling out and targeting pe- the people of Saudi Arabia. We have no control they, over this. The Saudis. We, we refer to the regime, the royal family. Yeah, we're. And so, I'm not going to rehash everything you said there because I actually I, and I agree with you about diluting the product as well. Where, where I will where I will add a different take on a couple of things, is this. One. I, I, a lot of people do online and on Twitter, or is it like X? I don't, that's a whole Dude, uh, we don't have, we do, not, we do not, have, not have time to address that quagmire. I will not blame the players for taking this money. The reason I will not is because this. I would probably, in their situation, take that sort of generational wealth and life-altering wealth and... I would probably take it, regardless of where it came from. I'd hope I could use some of that money to do net good. So, what comes from that money, there could be a you know you can, you can use some of it to be a positive force in the world. But I am not going to judge someone for taking this money. That's just to me that it's not my place. I'm not going to judge people who judge those people either. It's just I'm not when, going to. When staring at the opportunity to make five or 10 X what you, what you would be, what you're, you'd be offered to stay, you know, in Europe. Like I, I get it. Right. This is a late stage capitalism world where literally money is more important now than it ever has been. And it's harder to get if you don't already have huge, huge sums of it. Like I, I, I get that. And you know, I could bloviate and say that I think I would stand on a moral, moral high ground. I'm not in that position. I'm never going to be in that position. So, like, it doesn't make sense for me to say because I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I honestly couldn't say. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, we always offline, you know, I talk about how we almost always, you know, side with, like, with players in, in regardless of the sport in terms of, like, trying to secure that bag. Yeah. Trying to, you know, if they've given their last 10 years to a team or a club, have never, the team has never made an investment to win, understanding them then wanting to, you know what, I've got one more chance. I want to go somewhere where the team's invested. Like, we we understand that. Now, if you're super teaming, I've got a problem there. But within reason, um, it's all yeah. paradox. So, I, 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 yeah, one other thing I'll add is this. I think that there are some people, not Eric, it's not any of our friends even in my opinion, but out there in the world, I think that there are some people who use the very legitimate issues regarding the way the Saudi Arabian government operates to mask Islamophobia and racism. I do think that also does exist. There are legitimate concerns. I don't want, I, I'm not trying to brush those in the rugs. There are legitimate concerns, and I think there are a lot of people who are concerned about that, rightfully so, with good, genuine intention. But I also think there are people who use that, those legitimate arguments and those legitimate concerns, and they use it in a way that is disingenuous. It, it took Russia invading the sovereign nation of Ukraine for people to have qualms about Roman Abramovich owning Chelsea. Right. The guy who colloquially was known as Putin's bank, right. Putin's wallet. And as, as someone who 
his family is from that part of the world, not Saudi Arabia, but that part of the world, I think I would be a little remiss to not just at least mention that. But again, that's not Eric. That's not any of our friends who we talk about this with. But I do think that, the, that those are personalities who are on Twitter. And I think that it, that is happening. And so that is also not good. I completely agree. I have two... Not comical, but maybe sub less than serious uh, responses on that. One is, if you say not Eric one more time, the listeners are going to start thinking you really do me, and that's not going to be good for my brand. <laughs> my, my, my other take is, instead of rebranding Twitter as X, can he just like keep Twitter? Create X and we just shunt like all like the racist assholes to over X. to X. Yes. And, and we get to stay on Twitter. Yes, I would like that actually. And maybe he just sells it at that point too to Twitter. He he could have X and and all of his all of his X X homies. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of I think that that kind of that, all those things go I think it encapsulates what you and I have talked about <laughs> about this Saudi problem and the different facets and I'm sure and I'm and it's even more I think it's even more complicated than Eric and I are making it seem like it's just like I'm not a geopolitical expert if you want if you were looking if you were if you came here looking for geopolitics boy did you take a wrong turn and nuanced takes on human rights uh issues globally uh you know we're pretty black and white we're pretty like you know we're anti-slavery yeah yeah but you, you may want to work on your, your search engine because that algorithm is letting you down. Uh, I do want to say, though, as we wrap up the, the, the Saudi issue, like, this isn't going anywhere. It's going to get worse. Uh, like, I wasn't kidding when I said earlier that like, they have all the money. Like, like money, money is not a tangible concept to them like they they have it so much that like to them it's air and a perfect segue into kind of transfer season perfect segue how this is an example of how money is there let's talk about killing mbappe for a second mbappe has one year left on his contract with psg he is not going to sign a new deal with psg he knows that yes he has told them he is not going to sign a new deal he formally told them in a letter that he's not going to sign a new deal They, they they could they could like revive and bring back FDR. That New Deal is not getting done. <laughs> That's a great callback. Um, so, how are the Saudis going to calculate on this? They are willing to basically pay the sum of one billion dollars for one year of Kylian Mbappe in Saudi Arabia. And here's the breakdown of that: they would pay PSG a world record transfer fee to have a player for one year. They know it's going to be for one year of around three hundred thirty million dollars. They would pay Mbappe $220 million for the one year as a base salary. And in addition to that, so we're already about half a billion. If Mbappe gave them exclusive rights to his image for 365 days, one year, they would throw in another $550 million. And that brings you to over a billion dollars. When you're willing to buy an athlete, basically invest a billion dollars in an athlete for one year, money has no concept to you. Yes. That is, an ins- that is actually, like, mind-blowing. Mbappe's salary, if he had done the image rights, would be more than LeBron James has made in the NBA during his entire career. 
couple things. Oh, and I spoiler want... alert, Mbappe's family wants him to take Yeah, him. yeah. <laughs> um, I, wa- I want to spend a, a few more moments kind of talking about the scenario that has gotten us to this point. Okay. Because there's a couple of things, right, that are, are leading to this opportunity for the Saudis and why they're proposing a one-year deal. And that is because, as you mentioned, one one year currently remains on Mbappe's PSG deal, and he doesn't he does not want to go somewhere else in Europe this year and forego the salary that he signed up for for PSG. So, like, if if people are like, I know Real Madrid are the the favorite landing spot they wanted him so bad last time why doesn't why doesn't Real Madrid just like negotiate some relatively cheaper deal because he's got one year left and get him now the problem is Real cannot pay the 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 this year salary that PSG signed because once again sovereign wealth oil money whole thing but different regime um, Qataris yep so like there is nowhere that Mbappe can go in Europe for this one year where he will make the money that PSG owe him because they owe him the role he signed up if he plays for his yearly salary and a $60 million or Euro loyalty bonus he gets if he's on, at PSG on August 1st. It was like in a week. Yeah. So the that's kind of why there's, this is such a unique opportunity and the, the Saudis know that Mbappe is you know, it's always who's the next Ronaldo, Messi, Mbappe, and Holland have been up there, and, and the, the, he's one of the biggest faces in the biggest game in the world. And, and, he's in his true prime. and to have him in his true prime playing not for Newcastle and in, in Saudi Arabia colors, but to play in Saudi Arabia for a year, and then like he, he could be gone. You know, five years later, they would they would still be using like clips and highlights of his goals his his celebrations uh to promote everything and like you know it just it is truly an unfathomable amount of money to trying to pay honestly like what has a player ever signed a one billion dollar uh contract over over five years and I guess the biggest he, contract in the NFL just happened today, and it was a little less than half a million for quite some time. It was Justin Herbert. It just happened today. It was for like eight, nine, ten years, something like that. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, the game is broken. The market is broken. I mean, Mbappe like, would be a billionaire if he took that deal. The, the global economy of soccer is broken. That is a fact. And, and it, it maybe broke before this, but it def- if not, it definitely broke when Sovereign Wealth had a vested interest in making teams better. Yeah, it's um, scary stuff. I've heard that even though it is an ungodly amount of money he would get, he would rather. I've heard he'd rather sit out for a year than go play in Saudi. I've so I, I I hadn't heard that part. I, I definitely heard that he wants to play in Europe um, this next year. I, be, I mean, I'd be very curious, like, to see that brinkman, brinkmanship come down, though, if he'd be willing to sit out a year 
versus go play in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Because if if he's if he's doing that, then he's making a statement beyond I want to play. You know, I, I want to play in Europe for the for for my signed on salary. Also, I think like he actually wants to he wants to finish this year in France in Paris. Yeah, I think that's what he wants. He's he's not asking for a move, but the threat is that some members at PSG are saying if you don't leave, we will we will sit you. We we will exclude you from training. We won't call you up for games. The the manager I think has said that it's too early to talk about the finalized squad, but he will call up the best players that he has to his availability. We're just kind of like a not an you know dodge the question, but you can interpret that that if I mean, could you imagine being a manager and the club telling you don't don't call Mbappe because when you don't call Mbappe and then you lose in the quarterfinals of the, of, of the Champions League, they're gonna fire you anyways. <laughs> yeah, it, not a enviable position to be in right now. Um, but let's kind of talk about other transfers. And one, I think, is, this would be a good segue because we mentioned it, is kind of AC, what AC Milan summer has been like. Obviously, you mentioned Sandro Tonali's departure to Newcastle, which, looking at the sum that they paid versus the sum Manu paid for Mason Mount, I'm just very, I'm very upset. What did you guys pay for Mason Mount? Um, we paid 64.2 million euros. Which is 0.2 million euros more than what Newcastle paid for Tonali. So we could have um, saved the money and signed him. I Are you sure? Cause yeah, I'm looking I, at it at transfermarket.com. Okay. Um, I, well, I don't know what bonuses you guys have included for Mount, but apparently Milan are getting up to, like, are getting 73 million. And I think that's in, like, reasonable bonuses. I have the fees sorted, I do not have the bonuses available. In my my list, so you may be right it, on the boat. It's also it's funny because like I've seen a lot of stuff from like like English sources uh, have been reporting the number lower than all the Italian sources have been reporting the number. So I think it's there's some sort of like you know publicity gamesmanship going on. Um, but regardless, yes, you guys could have spent a little bit more and gotten what we both think is a better player, but you also, I mean, I don't know. What are you guys paying Mount on a salary wise? Well, probably we overpay everybody. Romania. Well, uh, cause Newcastle doubled to salary. I'll have to figure out what Mount's making. I don't, I don't like, I like to pretend like the Mason Mount thing didn't happen. So I don't have a lot of the details. Okay. Okay. You, you, you brought it up. You brought it up. Fuck off. <laughs> uh, so to never get facts get in the way of how upset I am. That sale really hurt me and my feels. Um, he was an Italian, you know, young player, grew up a Milan fan. When he signed with Milan, he called Gattuso, asked his permission to wear the eight. This guy was destined to be the Milan captain. Uh, you know, in in five, six years. So that hurt. Didn't like seeing him go. With with his sale, our our immediate first purchase was Ruben Loftus Cheek. And like I'm not sold on Ruben Loftus Cheek yet. Uh some people are really excited about him. 
he is able to like progress and carry the ball upfield really well and like help break a press in that way. But I just don't, I don't like his passing and his like kind of final decision making. Uh, so that was a, a real kick to the dick to see Tonali out, Loftus begin. But we've also signed um, a few other exciting players. Um, this uh, Dutch midfielder, uh, Ray, 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 it's spelled like Rayhinders, but I think it's pronounced like Rayhinders. It's almost like reindeer, but not exactly. I need to hear it a couple more times uh, before I'll, I'll be pronouncing it properly. Um, and we signed this, uh, La Liga winger, uh, Chiquese, Nigerian, uh, one of the exciting performers in La Liga. And, oh, by the way, Donnie, uh, I don't know if you heard, but we signed Christian Pulisic. Really? Yeah. That would must be expo- explain why since then, uh, Milan jersey sales are up 244% with 45 45- 43% of those jerseys being Christian Pulisic jerseys and 45% of those purchases being by Americans. And before that signing, that 45 from Americans was like under 5%. Yeah. So this is kind of what I wanted to talk to you about, and I wanted to frame it this way. At the beginning of the summer, Milan parted ways with legend Daniel Maldini. I'm sorry. Uh- well, I mean, we we did just we 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 did, I believe, transfer Daniel Maldini. But uh, I don't know if he ever quite reached legend status. Oh, yes. I was his name was on. I was on the transfer market website and has arrivals departures. So I was looking at his name when I was trying to say Paolo Maldini. Apologies, Paolo Maldini. And you and I were kind of like, well, you kind of texted me and you were like, "What the fuck?" Basically, and I was like. I don't know what to tell you, but, and then, you know, then that's compounded with the sale of Tenali. Those happen in the same week. Right. So it's not good, but I have to say since then, I like the business that Milan has done. Um, you mentioned, um, Reindeers from Azad Alkmaar. A lot of people are very high on like, high enough to the point where they think after he has a transition period, Tanali, this is no disrespect. This is meant to pump up Rendere and not say anything negative about Tanali. Tanali's a really good player. I've heard a lot of people say that you're not going to miss much on him when Rendere gets, you know, incorporates in the squad. Then you guys add Chiquese, which you mentioned, great sign. You guys pick up Luca Romero. You guys pick up Christian Pulisic. Ruben Loftus-Cheek, whether he's a squad player or ends up being a starter, I think can contribute. But I have liked the package of business that Milan has been doing. Um, and there may be yet one more move to go. I mean, there's a player who's agreed uh, terms with Milan and is pressuring his club to accept the bid. I know, and when when Manu finally wakes up, Fred will be a Milan player. Um, and that player is Yunus Musa. <laughs> yeah. And you know what sucks? Apparently, the like the the negotiation the negotiating team was ready to accept Milan's bid, and the Valencia president called in and was like, "No, hold out." Oh, Jesus. He he believes that either Milan will greatly increase our bid or 
eventually a Premier League team will come in with your your dirty Premier League money. Mm. The best kind of dirty money. <laughs> so, like, I, I think we're at 18, and he wants at least 25. And we're, we're not we're, – we're at 18 fixed, like maybe 20 with bonuses. And he wants, like, 25 fixed. No. Yeah, oh. I, I mean – Good luck, bro. But I don't think Moose is, Moose is not training anymore with the squad. Yeah. Because um, he's even if like the it sounds like their plan is to is to move him this year. Uh, they just think that um, another bid will come in, which maybe maybe this Valencia president I think it's like Peter something Peter Lynn or something. Uh, maybe he watched uh, Eunice dominate Mason Mount and Jude Bellingham at the uh, World Cup. Very possible, very possible. Uh, but talk to me. Let's let's talk about Christian Pulisic at Milan. I think that's what we really. Well, well I guess. Do you want my overall feeling? Because you were framing up like all this business and and how am I maybe feeling yeah. now? I, I think it, I think Milan looks like they're I think they're in good shape. I'm, I'm I, I really like a lot of their signings. You know, I may have jumped the gun as I ever ever so often do in in a downward spiral of negativity um really doesn't, doesn't sure, that's your default setting hate to break it to you. <laughs> so i was very concerned with the exodus of maldini in such an mm-hmm. unceremonious fashion mm-hmm. and then and then the club convincing tonali to leave like that, that hurt in quick succession, and I made some assumptions about the motives of the ownership group. The transfer business since then has offered a contradicting point of view, right? Maybe you know I could definitely see Maldini not wanting to to allow the sell to Nally, right? Like that. Club legend Italian, you know, I could see that. So that could have been a friction point. I think there were some other friction points too about where they wanted to go. Um, so deciding that Maldini did not fit the plan of the ownership, it makes sense. Oftentimes, new club owners, after even after a year or so, will send out the old guard now that the transition is stable and bring and bring in who, who they always wanted. I just wish there had been a little more pomp and circumstance to recognize the outsized impact that that man has had on this legendary top club. So I'm still upset about that. And I don't, I don't know if that will go away because I can hold a grudge, but the business side of, of building the squad, even if the squad, you know, doesn't end up being as good as we were last year. I think we are. Um, the depth is far, far superior. And that was a problem we ran into. A lot of injuries, multiple competitions. The depth killed us. Um, you, hit, you hit the nail on the head there. That plus, we, you know, it sounds like whether it's Pulisic or Chiquese, we're going to have a viable alternative attacker on the right wing so that when teams inevitably have to put three guys on layout 
Milan had to still attack to the left last year with with layout triple teamed because the right was so anemic. That I don't think will be the case. Yeah. Uh, and so that's exciting. Then to go a little deeper into your question about Pulisic specifically, a lot of things make me excited about this. One, he's a talismanic figure for the United States men's national team, and he's playing at the club I've loved for so long, Milan. That's just sick. So sick. Two, he took a salary cut to go to Milan, and once he had agreed with Milan, he told Chelsea, I don't want to go anywhere else. This is where I want to go. I love that dedication. Three, I don't even know how many points I've got. I'm just going to keep going, though. Three, it, was at, it wasn't until a conversation one-on-one with Pioli that he had about Pioli's plans and thoughts for where he fits into the squad, how he can help the attack. That is what sold Pulisic on only wanting Milan. So I like that Pioli, who some people have questions about his ability to manage substitutes or his like overall tactical plan, his players always love him. He can, At least the players that play, he connects well with them, and it's exciting to see the manager and Pulisic seem to have that kind of connection after Pulisic's turbulent experience at Chelsea. Four, just in like training videos that I've been sucking up like a Dyson, he seems to be having so much fun training. He's reunited with his, with his old uh, pseudo-dad, Olivier Giroud. He's got friends like Fikayo Tamore, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, because Milan has brought in other Chelsea expats too. And he seems to be just playing and practicing and training with a smile on his face. And fifth, in the first half, in the friendly against Real Madrid, our boy kind of cooked a little bit. He looks great. He put in a good cross for corner. He needs to do that for the U.S. men's national team. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited. I'm happy. Awesome. I really wish, you know, that meme from forgetting Sarah Marshall when he's like, I really wish I wasn't wearing this fucking shirt. I really wish this wasn't one of the years that we went away from like the more classic home kit design. I know. Like, don't give me like striated, almost stripes that don't connect. Give me the fucking red and black stripes, you know? Because if we had that, I would already have. I'd probably be potting in a Christian Pulisic jersey right now. Away I, kits are nice, in my opinion. The, the away kits, I, 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 I like. It wasn't, it. it wasn't until this this last friendly two days ago that I finally saw them with names and numbers on the back. I mm-hmm. wanted to see the coloring, like because if, if they were bright red, I think that would look stupid. But I kind of like that they're a darker gray on the like the white backdrop. Yeah. So I might get my first ever Milan away kit. Because once again, like, why would I ever get a Milan away kit when our, our home kits are just classic? But these ones are not. Um, so, yeah, that's those are my thoughts on Pulisic. No, I think that's a great breakdown. What, what are your thoughts on Pulisic? I think that this is – I agree with a lot of what you said in terms of the excitement. I think that he is going to – I think he has the ability and the talent – to contribute um, at a top level, I just, I, you know, I am excited for the prospect of it happening happening consistently. Yes. Because more than one manager at Chelsea 
didn't, whatever reason, there was an issue with Pulisic being in the team. And I don't know what that issue is because he, he's always, he always seemed to play pretty well when he played for Chelsea. So I want to see him consistently playing for a top team, like, and Milan is a top team, and contributing. And I think he can and will do that. You know, I just, I want to see it. I want to see it happen. I also think that there is going to be, I mean, when he was at Chelsea, like, who was the man at Chelsea? Chelsea didn't have an alpha, really. That that Chelsea, like, who, who was it? I mean, like, this is Chelsea team finished 11th in the table. Like, the, 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 they're... So, like, I, I'm excited for him. And that's my point. Like, while he was at Chelsea, I, I feel like they never had, like, that dude. Like, one guy, I think at different points, various guys were that dude, including Pulisic. I think Kai Havertz was that dude for them at points. I think... But there was, like, not one guy who, you know, that's him. Milan have a guy who that's him in Rafael Leal. And Rafael Leal is him. But they also have a, an elite, elite, in my opinion, the best left back in the world in Teo Hernandez. So they have some they have an excellent goalkeeper in my opinion. They have some really good players where Polisic gets the opportunity that he doesn't get with the US men's national team to contribute and play well, but he doesn't have to be that guy. Yeah. Leal can be that guy, and Pulisic can just focus on making the team better and just playing well. And I think I'm really what I'm hoping happens is that he's going to feel very free, and he's working with an excellent coach in Pioli, the best coach Pulisic's ever worked in his career by far. And I really want to see Pioli help Pulisic really become, take that next step, and then watch that translate to the national team. So I, I have a lot of expectations and I have a lot of excitement and I just I just want to see it all happen. And and can I you know a couple of things on top of that? You mentioned Milan has that guy, right? Layout is him. Layout plays left left wing. Plistic kind of by default is a natural left winger. So now the the prevailing thought when we signed Plistic just from like the internet rumblings of idiots that I read, because I am also an idiot. It sounds like the plan that maybe was directly communicated to Plistic was Layout on the left, Giroud or whoever on uh, up on top, somebody on the right, and Plistic in that 10 role, in the hole beneath the striker, which would allow him to connect and link up with Giroud, allow him to interchange with Leao and even work and overlap and work with Mateo too, right? You connect all those. That honestly should be a U.S. fan's wet dream if that's what comes to fruition. Mm. When when we signed him, it was like, cool, we could do that. Or if we play a 4-3-3, um, Pulisic on the right, Lay on the left, Giroud up top. The concern here is just signed, as I mentioned, Chiquazio. He, I believe, like he's an out-and-out natural right winger. So the real only like, like either Pulisic and Chiquese are going to have to fight each other for that right wing spot, or Pulisic locks down that kind of ten behind the striker and the whole role. Only thing that concerns me to this point is the two preseason games that Milan has played. We've played four three three, and Pulisic has started on the left. Which 
that's not where he's going to be playing. Um, now, newcomers and like B squad uh, have been at camp longer. The stars showed up late, only got like 20 minutes against Real Madrid, and it wasn't exactly a, a one-to-one A squad, B squad kind of thing. Uh, so what I'm really looking forward to see is the tail end of the preseason, seeing Pulisic in the squad with Leal, with Teo, uh, with those guys to see where he's being slotted, right? If he gets slotted at right wing, then once Jaquese gets up to speed, there's going to be a battle there. But if he's getting slotted at a center attacking mid, we gooch. If he's if we're running a four three three, then we got a whole other bag of problems because that midfield is not fucking good enough. But that's not about Pulisic. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's where I'm at. Uh, like like there is for someone like me who, as we mentioned, ever so rarely can downward spiral every day. There's 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 reason to be a little cautious. Sure. But the early returns look really exciting. Yes. Well, with all this Pulisic talk, and we mentioned Ruben Loftus-Cheek, this is a good time to talk about the pure and utter exodus at Chelsea. Now, we just mentioned two players that Milan bought. Um, We also mentioned earlier in the show that uh, Eduardo Mendy, N'Gole Conte, and Kaladu Koulibaly, who they just bought him a couple years ago, all went to the Saudi Pro League. So now we're at five players. Kai Havertz went to Arsenal for a hefty 75 mil. Mason, Mason Mount no. is somehow at Manchester United. For a hefty 62 or 60 mil or something. 64.2. Uh, Mateo Kovacic is at Manchester City. Um, Cesar Spilicueva left on a free to Atletico Madrid. Pierre uh, Aubameyang left on a free to Marseille. I mean, they are just having a massive exodus. And last season, Chelsea had so many players, they actually did not have enough lockers in their locker rooms for all their players after training. Yeah, they were over-leveraged on player inventory, I think. Yeah, they, like, they've racked up a quarter of a billion just getting rid of what they consider dead weight. I don't necessarily think all those players are dead weight. That's what they consider. Um, I just thought that that's kind of an interesting thing on the um, transfer season um i guess i will this, set... this season is going to be critical for the pot oh yeah i mean because that did not go well not only did the season not go well the guy looks like absolute shit he looks like how uh presidents look compared to first day in office to last day in office and that's a four-year span at least yeah he was there for like months yeah yeah, he looks real bad. Um, I guess with Mason Mount, he's at Man U. Yeah. Can I give you a Can I give you a, a silver lining? No. But yes, you can. Okay, because I'm going to anyway. So. This has to make the club a little more open to moving Fred, right? I guess. I don't know, man. I just that signing doesn't make any sense to me. Truthfully, it just doesn't. Um, but it's not where you guys needed help. It's not. Think. We don't have. We still have a striker. We actually have no other player other than him and um, our new goalie Onana, Andre. Onana. But like, that's a sick signing. Yes. 
bittersweet. The way things went down with De Gea of giving him the one-year extension and then deciding when he was about to accept it, yanking it, I hated how we treated De Gea. Yes. De Gea was at the club for 12 years, and by far and away, most of those years, he was the team's best player. To this day, he has been the best player to, at Man U in the post Alex Ferguson era. Um, I love the guy. You know, every now and again, he let a bad one in, but when he was when he was on, it was impossible to score on him. When he was on, there was no one like him. So I'm going to miss him. I am very, very, very excited about Onana, but I am also concerned. And I should not have to be concerned for this reason, but unfortunately, the way that soccer fans can be and people can be, I have to be concerned. I am concerned about... You know, I feel like Man is one of those teams that's always in the spotlight. We're always going to be talked about. And considering our last two goalies have had long tenures, and, you know, with Vandersar and David De Gea, it's going to be a spotlight. I am already pretty sick to my stomach when Onana inevitably makes a mistake like every player in the history of the sport has. And instead of saying online, which would be fair, being like, what the fuck? That was a terrible mistake. That's fine. I am not going to be excited when he gets racially abused yeah. and doesn't deserve that by people who shouldn't be uh, that I don't oh, consider loud fans. Yeah, exactly. And so, and that sucks that I even that that that's even one of the first thought that's came in my head. But I am excited for him. He seems super happy. He seems like an awesome dude. Um, really happy to have him, and I will. Be his when when that time comes, I will be his defender. Harry Maguire is still part of the team too. I'm not really happy with the way this summer's going. But I I saw something that maybe West Ham are looking at both a double suit for Maguire and McTominay. That would be great. <laughs> they can use some of that. I, new, they can use I, some of that new Declan Rice money, who is the I, most expensive transfer of the summer. I saw that and I was like, did Donnie start this rumor to try to get West Ham to think about it? I'm a rumor boy. No, but we, I, Eric, we never start them. We only spread them. <laughs> um, we have integrity on this podcast. We, speaking of integrity, we should talk about another rumor. Yes. Harry Kane. To Byron? I mean... The old adage where there's smoke, there's fire. There's 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 enough smoke to warrant us talking about it. Listen, there's more than smoke. Byron have basically Byron like <laughs> we want him. We don't know like we don't want to pay what Dan uh, Levy and Tottenham want, but we'll pay a lot. I think they offered like eighty, and they said no. Um, Harry Kane. What, is, what's the what's what 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 number is too is too high for United to offer? You said you guys don't have a striker. One dollar. You you've only made one signing. One dollar. Not what you would be comfortable United offering. I don't know how to answer that question because in theory, dude, man, you make so much. It's it, it's a commercial. It it pays for itself. Like, uh huh. In theory, we could pay a lot of money. But I told you. I know. No, no he's I know. A loser. <laughs> He's a, his best chance at winning a trophy is going to a team where the entire purpose of that league is to make that team the best team in the league. No, I, I, I'm just saying, yeah. 
I, I have to imagine that's the pick that he gets. He's, he got by Bayern, by the way. Like, yeah, look can, at that. Look at this. You can't lose here. You can, you can be one for 73 at your attempts for a trophy. No, I, I, I know your, your thoughts on his fit at United are well documented. Would have loved to have had him like six years ago, probably. Yeah, before he was a uh, serial loser. Uh, but he's got the ick now. He, or he gives you the ick. I don't know. That's a phrase that I think the the the, the youths use. Listen, um, and to go with that, he doesn't have any riz, man. <laughs> He's no riz. I'm a striker I, with riz. I watched I watched a lot of Hot Ones, the hot wing eating show, and he was on it like two weeks ago. And a he was, hung up a banner from that first <laughs> soccer player to be on. No, the dude, they put they put one of the wings in the trophy case. It just, but it looks weird having a, a trophy case with just one wing in it and nothing else. Uh, his interview was very, very, very lacking of personality. Just He's very. a stereotype of a British person. <laughs> come to life. Yes. Just like, come very, to life. He's a vanilla Brit. You know, and the thing is, we're going to end up signing, um, what's his name, Hoysberg? Yeah. Who I... Not exactly impressed with his goal-scoring abilities, number one. So, number two... <laughs> can, I, can you say something with you real quick? When I saw, like, the rumors early, early on this window that, like, Hoiberg or whatever was going somewhere, I said, I, I went, him? <laughs> him? Yeah, of, of the guys from that team, we're going with him. Well, the other guys are a little older. Yeah, True. But I still, it's like, him? I mean, I want Victor Osamon. I've made that very clear. Would you be willing to go one more season without 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 acquiring a, a big buck striker to maybe try to get Victor? I shouldn't even have to have that choice. I know. Everybody well, has a striker. But us. Yeah, but, like, but, but Napoli's owner is like pretty good at being pretty stubborn sometimes with with like player transfers so if he's committed to holding on to Oshiman, then like you gotta have to start getting some silly some silly money in there trust me nobody only one you're the only person who wants Oshiman to, to united more than me get him out of syria get him out of there I'm oh dude did we did we mention Sergei uh, Milinkovic Savic on the group of people? Okay, that one was wild to me. That dude's in his fucking prime. Yeah, another guy in his prime. Um, sorry. Long story short, I'm just not happy with Vanny's transfer window. I just don't know how long are we going to go not having really a striker. And at what point do we learn that without someone in that position, we are not going to challenge for the title? So what the fuck are we doing? Honestly, I have no fucking clue. But we're going to sign a guy in Hoysburg where the the troll meme about him is and United fans had a problem with Lukaku's first touch. <laughs> it's just like, why is this my existence? You get Christian Pulisic and I get a guy who has a worse first touch than Lukaku. Can we talk about Lukaku real quick? Yeah, what's going on there? Apparently, 
he was in talks with Inter to return to Inter. I think Inter were having simultaneous talks with, with Chelsea to kind of figure those things out. And those club talks stalled a little bit. And in the meantime, he made a deal with Juventus. Like, he agreed terms with Juventus. And when Inter found out about that, they were like, fuck you. We're no longer continuing conversations. And Juventus' deal was like, we would only explore this if we move on from Dusan Vlahovic. And it seems like they're going to hold on to Vlahovic. So now Inter, Juve don't have a spot for Lukaku. So he went back to Inter and was like, hey, what about the, that agreement we had? And they're like, dude, we told you to fuck off. Fuck off. And he doesn't want to go play in Saudi, I've heard, too. Because he's had offers to go there, too. He said, yeah. But, like, it, I understand got to have conversations with multiple teams. But, like, once you've agreed with one team, you can't do it with one of their two most hated, fierce rivals. Exactly. Like, there are some fans of those two clubs that hate the other more than they hate. Like, some Inter fans hate Juve more than they hate Milan. Not all, I don't think most, but some. And I, so, like, I feel like those three clubs, Juve, Inter, and Milan, have a not the same, but a similar enough dynamic to like a City, Liverpool, United dynamic. Mm-hmm. The only exception being that like all three of these clubs have been important in Milan, yes, or in, in, in Italy for a long time. Um, and only on, one of those three clubs in England really matters. Yeah. Uh, but like I mean the yeah. the the comparison is also good because the location wise uh, Turin is really close to Milan, similar to how uh, Liverpool is really close to Manchester. Yeah. Um, Declan Rice to Arsenal. That's been that's been the biggest transfer of the summer. Jude Bellingham made his move to Real Madrid. What a what a midfield that they have. My here's, God. Here's, here's my take, and I'm happy to be blasted and wrong. Over. Decently overpaid for Declan Rice. 100%. Decently underpaid for Drew Bellingham. 100%. Yeah. Also, <laughs> I'm looking at the transfer market data. That also backs up your statement as the market value for Jude Bellingham is 17 million more euros than his fee. And the market value for Declan Rice is 26 million euros less than his fee. So God. your gut feeling is backed up by the analytics. But uh, Arsenal has, have splashed the cash this yeah. transfer they bought Kai Havertz for 75 million euros so they are spending that's also that's too much that's too fucking much money for Kai Havertz I mean it's the same thing as fucking actually I actually think that if Mason Mount is 64.2 then Kai Havertz should be more than Mason Mount so it just goes yes, back to but, we overpaid but, for Mason Mount but the 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 if there on your your qualifying statement is wrong right so correct now apparently though according to the market value data we only have overpaid for Mason Mount by four point two million, which that instinctually now caused this entire data. Yes. Question. Now I wish you hadn't said that because it makes me feel less good about about being supported by these guys when they have that. Number. I mean, but you and I have been we've been we've been leading the fucking charge on the as Mason Mount truthers. Yeah. Though you did mention Bayern, they did get a big signing that I would have liked Manu to get in uh, Minjai Kim. Yes. So, uh, really excited to see what he's going to do for that. He was a, as, he as was they a, win the 12th Bundesliga in a row, yeah. or whatever the fucking number they're on. He's, uh, for those that don't know, center back, a uh, really important key piece of Napoli's uh, you know, first Serie A title in like 30 years since Maradona. And, uh, and just to finish while we're on the Arsenal train, they also added Jurian Timber, who's a versatile defender, can play center back, can play right back. Um, so, they've been adding a lot of pieces. 
PSG adding one of the Hernandez brothers, Lucas. Lucas, yep, he's going back to it France. It would have been really cool. I, I, obviously, I, I don't think it was in the price range for Milan to throw $45 million on him, but it would have been cool for the Hernandez brothers to play for the same team, and it would have been be, cool if that team was Milan. I'd also be curious, like, is but did PSG bring him in as a left back or as a center back? That is a great question. And the other problem is, like, we're kind of like – we. It's not that we couldn't improve at center back, but we need to be putting money other places, right? Because, like, we've got Coyote More, uh, we've got Pierre Kalulu, Malik Chow, um, like, those are, those are a solid center back selection. Um, our money, our starter money is needed in another position. Yeah. Um, let's see, what else do I have here? Liverpool have added Dominique. Sojabalai. Sojabalai, thank you. They also added, this was kind of, we all knew this was going to happen, and it officially did, obviously, in Alex uh, McAllister. Uh, Aston Villa have splashed some cash, you know, over $80 million between Pau Torres at center back, which is, who is yeah. one of Emery's, like, boys from Villarreal. And also they've uh, added um, Musa Diaby. So... Good, uh, good for them. Oh, and Tottenham added James Madison. Oh yeah, that. I mean, I like that move. Good move. I, I, I think knowing like what you get with Harry Kane, having somebody who is you know one of if not the best set piece takers in the league, being able to funnel balls into his meaty British forehead. Second best. I said one of if not the so. James Ward Prowse. Definitely not the, but he's one. He's a, he's a top, he's a top three. Oh. Though, wait. No. No, wait. This, Southampton got relegated. Yeah, they did. So technically, James. Oh. Ward- so you're so you're back yeah. to being right. I said in the Premier League, I'm good. <laughs> yep. I, I, I forgot. I was like, I said him. Who's gonna buy him? I can't believe he. I mean, does he want to stay? There is no chance he's gonna stay. He's he's captain. Was did he come through the academy? To fuck the academy. It's Southampton. Let's fuck. I I think he should go. I, he I did can't come listen. up through the academy. He's been with the club since 2003. Dude, here's the thing. If he does stay and gets them promoted again, legend. He's a fucking legend. But you know who has a midfield hole and a lot of cash burning in the pocket? Newcastle. Weston. Oh yeah, they've got that that rice money. <laughs> that rice money. Yeah. Um. So, what are what transfer rumor do you think is definitely going to happen, and what rumor do you think is not? The rumor that I think is definitely going to happen, I think we're going to get Eunice Mitzvah to Milan. Definitely going to happen. I think so. And the rumor that you think is definitely not going to happen? I do not think we're going to get Mbappe to Al-Halal. I think the rumor that is definitely 
gonna happen is that Harry Maguire is gonna leave. <laughs> because I like that we're both trying to manifest what we really want to have happen. <laughs> There's no way you can stay in a locker room after you've been stripped of the captaincy. <laughs> Which I guess we forgot to mention that Bruno's now the captain. Yes. Um, the rumor that is definitely not going to happen is Harry Kane to Bayern Munich. I almost said that one too. I just... It, 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 inst- it instinctually feels wrong to it's, think about him on a team that's guaranteed to win a trophy. Also, it's impossible for him to end up at Bayern Munich when he's going to end up at Man United. (laughs) You know, every time we don't podcast, I forget why I never want to podcast. And then I remember what team I like, and I remember why I don't want to podcast. Oh, one cleanup as we're kind of wrapping up here. Jedi signed a new deal at Fulham, which is awesome. It, yes, that is fantastic. Like through twenty eight, I think. Yeah, he Five, he know. will be there, presumably for the rest of his prime, and that's awesome. Also, I saw some some uh, like pics of Chris Richards like showing the Crystal Palace squad around like uh, Chicago style pizza or something. Uh, just cool to see him with the club. You know, I think he. he Hopefully we can get him full healthy and he can play a bit, a bit more this season. So I'll be watching that with interest uh, the upcoming season. But we, we've got some things to do um, podcast-wise. So I think we're going to have an owners coming up. Very soon. In the next couple of weeks. And then we'll probably have like a silly season part two. Um, chat to like update on some more of the rumors, transfers, the the friendlies as they wind down and then you know we'll probably have like a 23-24 season recap yeah yeah I think I think I'm excited for the Onis um, that's my, my favorite episode usually is the Onis um, and yeah I think that's a good breakdown of what we have going down so uh, also I have a feeling that what Eric and I said is definitely going to happen both those things are not going to happen and what we said won't happen. Those are absolutely going to happen. And one of those things will be proven wrong probably when you're listening to this. Because <laughs> there, there's this thing that Eric and I have noticed when we record. News, big news breaks the day after we record. So the day you yeah. listen to it, something's happened. And we it's just that's just the way it's always been. But um, thank you for listening. We have, uh, you know, you can follow us on Instagram. I don't go pod, Twitter. I don't go pod. You can email you mean us. X. Oh yeah, X. Um, Honestly, follow us on Twitter. Don't follow us on X. Yeah, I think so. It makes sense. I don't know if I made us a threads or not yet, but we may have that. I don't know. Um, you can email us if you have any questions. Ongopod at gmail.com. But um, we're excited to get back to our beloved pod babies. And with that, bye. bye. To the byline. It's in, it's an goal! It's a gift! Well, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. And goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car. Got no chance to the keeper.